Welcome everybody back to another episode of One More Before I Die, episode 51, presented by the Daily Buffalo, a Buffalo Fanatics podcasting network. Um, we're back for another one here. Ethan alongside with me as always. Got some Bills news. Training camp still rolls on as we know. We'll talk about that a little bit, see where that takes us, kind of chop it up, and, uh, and we'll see where we go with that. But without further ado, let's get Ethan involved here. Ethan, how's it going? Good, episode 51. You've kind of fallen off with this, so I'll pick up your slack here. Takeo Spikes is my number one for 51 I was going to go with. I don't know if you had any other 51s. Uh, no, I don't, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good call. I was the one who actually started this trend of shouting out players for their numbers, so thanks for you know picking that slack up after I started a while back. Yeah, classic. Um, um, yeah, so shout out to Spikes. He was, a, he was a beast back in the day. He was one of my favorite. I think he was... I think he was one of the honorable mentions on when we did like the kind of like underrated players for the Sabres or Bills over in their history. He was like one of my guys that snuck up on my list as just a, a linebacker that looked like he was created a Madden that just pummels guys over. So definitely shout out to him for episode 51. Um, speaking of Bills, like I said, training camp has been rolling on and a little bit more news came out this past week that we kind of want to talk about. Uh, I guess the first thing that we could talk about, which is probably the main story this past couple of days. We'll just gloss over it a little bit. We don't want to get, you know, too deep into the, into the coronavirus stuff like we have been, but there was 77 false positive coronavirus tests over the entire NFL um, this past week, which is kind of wild. It's kind of hilarious how I think this uh, testing center in New Jersey did this, did these testings. And, you know, the next day, all 77 players tested negative. So, you know, 77 false positive tests, one of them being Josh Allen, but just a little piece of news there. I don't know if Ethan, you really had anything else on that, but it's kind of a, a wild thing to get 77 of those things wrong when it's such a crucial time for this. And basically that's the only reason why an NFL season wouldn't happen. Yeah. I think the main thing is that Josh Allen was one of those 77 people. So there's a little scare in the Bills community on uh, the health of our quarterback, but you know, like you said, all false positives. So he is back on, on the field in practice. But like you mentioned, how is this going to affect the NFL season? You know, you could just see this happening. We're in the neck of it. And do we have a bunch of false positives going in the middle of the season? Does that affect people getting on the field? Does that affect wins and losses? I think this is just a bad omen to the start of the NFL season. Um, 
you know, I've said it all along. This offseason doesn't seem like the NFL is really putting in any precautions or it seems like they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants when you compare it to the NHL and NBA and how they've been handling things. So, you know, is this a sign of things to come? You know, only time will tell. But again, you know, good news that Josh Allen is in fact okay, does not have coronavirus, and uh, should be ready for week one. Yeah, and I guess something else just popped in my head here. Um, I know we talk a lot about how, you know, like when we talk about coronavirus, I'll say is, you know, we come out and, you know, we're not doctors. We don't really know how it works. We don't know, you know, how it's really getting getting here, getting there, blah, blah, blah. But something just popped in my head, actually, maybe you can answer, maybe you can't, is how do we know that, like, I get it. Like what happened was like, they all got tested for, you know, positive on that Sunday, I guess it was, or whatever the day it was. And then the next day they all got tested negative. So, I mean, is there such thing as a false negative? Like, how do we, like, this is my first time thinking of, or I guess hearing of something in sports where it like came out the next day that it was all false positives. Like how, how accurate are these tests? Like how accurate do we know what's going on? I mean, I'm obviously just lost here on this. Like, do we know yeah. anything like what's going on with I, them, how I, that's going to affect everything in the future. You know what I mean? I can only speak from my personal experience because this actually happened to my roommate. So I kind of got a little scared as well. Some, you know, me and Josh Allen kind of have a little bit in common here. Not, not just on the field, but off. Um, my roommate got, cause you know, I don't know if you've got tested before you have, right? Yep. I got, yep. I, yeah, negative, there's like baby. the two there's like a couple different versions of these tests now like one's a rapid test and one's like the legit one where they shove something up your nose right yeah i got the i got the nose one and i think i think that's like the ones that like certain people have to get if they're going back to school and stuff like yeah, that because right? they're this that is one's ones like that you a more can get. reliable one yeah there's ones you can get like with your hour like hours back you'll get your results which that seems sketchy to me yeah so you know what, what I mean? happened what happened was my roommate got tested with the rapid one and he got tested positive. Uh, so, you know, I live with him. So I was like, all right, well, I'm definitely positive if he's positive because he has to get tested every other couple of weeks for work because he's been traveling for work and going in the office and whatnot. So, he, you know, every two weeks he gets tested for work. Um, it's usually one regular and one rapid. Um, so like the rapid one came back. So on the same day he got tested for the rapid and the regular up the nose. Um, and the rapid one came back within 24 hours saying that he was positive. But then, you know, three or four days later, once the other one came back, it came back negative. So, so what do we, so what yeah, are we so doing for like here? Three, three or four days, like I was really nervous that I had Corona, I, even though I felt I had no symptoms or whatever. Um, but, you know, I was just kind of like had a lot of anxiety because I'm thinking any day now I could start to get really sick. And then, you know, three days down the line, I realized that he actually doesn't have Corona. And then he got tested again and he tested negatives. So, I mean, so what are we doing right here? There's like a false positive. I don't, I don't know what, you know, what the protocols were at that testing station in Jersey. Yeah. Like if you're doing like, I mean, the way you just explain it there, I'm not making any assumptions here that they're doing rapid tests, but if you're coming out hot with 77 false positives and you're supposed to be testing NFL players, which is, you know, I would think the NFL has enough money to fund, the correct test for these guys to get. It's like, you can't really have 77. I mean, that's kind of a big number. That was kind of a shocking thing to hear. Yeah. And then, like I said, like, you know, maybe some of those weren't necessarily false. And the next day got false. I don't know. It's just a whole mess where it's the first time I think I've heard of in sports testing, you know, with college athletes coming back or something is this whole, a bunch of people getting false tests. So it's just not like a good, 
a good thing to hear, I guess. Um, but I don't really think we have to talk more about that. It's just figure it out. New Jersey testing site. Come on. Um, speaking of health related issues, non-coronavirus though, Josh Norman hurt. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened to him. Do you, what, what was the actual injury? It was a hamstring injury. And, uh, I believe Bill's coaching staff said that there's no timetable for the return for his return. And they're still evaluating the severity of his, of the in- injury as well. Yeah, so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Jake when he came on the podcast. Um, it was right around the time that EJ Gaines opted out of the season, uh, who's obviously another cornerback for the Bills. And we talked about at that time that we didn't think it was too big of a deal because EJ Gaines was more of a depth player. Um, we had this, the signing of Josh Norman this year. We had Levi Wall still in our pocket. So we didn't really think it was too big of a deal. Obviously, now this is going to be more of a big deal that EJ Gaines isn't here anymore because Josh Norman gets hurt. That means the cornerback positions are looking a little slim. Um, I mean, this also might, you know, what popped into my head when I heard Norman got hurt, does this mean that he, you know, isn't the player that he was back in the day and he's kind of like a little bit more fragile now? He's a little bit older. Is he going to be getting injured easy now, even when he comes back? Do you think he's going to be kind of a liability out there just for health health reasons? So it's definitely not something I want to hear. I was one of the people who's very excited for Josh Norman this year, thinking he had a chip on his shoulder. So to me, this isn't great. Um, We saw it last year with Levi Wallace. He can be good. He can be bad. He can be anywhere in between. But other than, you know, Trey White on the one side, the the other cornerback position has always been kind of a mystery. And now one of the guys there that was competing for that spot goes down indefinitely. Yeah. I mean, you always say you like, you're like your chips with the dip. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I like my chips on a shoulder. Yeah. Um, well, this, this, he's got a broken chip right now, so I don't know. We're going to see, you never, you never under, you never like to see the out indefinitely tag because I mean, that could mean the season. It could mean five weeks, six weeks. You never know when you're going to get him back indefinitely. You always think the worst too. Cause I mean, if he was like, Oh, I pulled my hamstring, he'd probably throw a two to three weeks on that. Not a out indefinitely. So to me, it sounds kind of serious. You know, it begs a question, will we ever see him in a Bills uniform? He's only signed a one-year contract. Like you said, he's getting up there in age. There's a serious injury. He could, you know, hang the cleats up tomorrow, pull a little uh, Vontae Davis on us in and yeah, out. I was just going to say, I was trying to think of his name while you were speaking there. I was saying, he's going to pull Vontae Davis on us here? Like, come on. Yeah. So, you know, the Bills always have <laughs> they've always struggled bringing in, you know, those old vet quarter, cornerbacks. Seems like it's always a uh, – you know, experiment. It's never, it's never easy. So like you said, Josh, Josh Norman getting hurt, not ideal, especially when you don't have EJ Gaines as a depth piece. You need another big season out of Levi Wallace and some other guys further down on the depth chart to step up. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's the end all be all for this defense. Obviously it's completely different than having a Trey white opt out. That would be, you know, much more catastrophic than, uh, you know, a Josh Norman out indefinitely, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I was excited to see him play. Like you were talking about definitely he, you know, all the things that he was, he was saying in his press conferences and his, you know, off season conversations, you could tell that he was definitely determined to show that he still had something and, you know, had playing alongside Trey White, taking some pressure off of him. Like, that was definitely going to be a good thing for him. So we'll see. We'll see if we get to see Josh Norman this year, but it doesn't look like we're going to see him for the first couple of weeks at least, or else we'd probably hear about that already. So that's, you know, out indefinitely, 
you always expect the worst. Yeah, it's not a great thing to see. Like you said, hopefully we can see him on the field. Um, not sure if we'll be able to see him, you know, in person in the field, though. Uh, my transition game's on fire, by the way, tonight. And why I said that is because when I said on, on the field in person, um, there's some news that came out this past week as well that some teams are I'm not see I'm not sure how this works where it's the team's decision or it's like more of a a state by state thing but some teams, well, I, I, I think guess, it's the team the team has to abide by their state's regulations okay and what I'm talking about is fans in attendance for these games so I've been hearing stuff where some teams are allowed to have like 30 percent fan capacity in the stadiums for their games this year uh, and then I'm bringing this up because Sean McDermott kind of had a little bit of sound bite about this, talking about it. Um, I think he was asked in a press conference or wherever, some type of media, and he said pretty much it's bullshit um, without using those exact words. Uh, he was just saying that it could be pretty much unfair that if some you know teams can have fans and some can't. Like I mean, I think that all Bills fans would speak um, on behalf of this, myself included, that we think we have one of the you know best fan bases in the in the game in the NFL. We think that we help um, the team on the field a lot. Just a, a big rowdy group. We've talked about it a lot on here. And if we're not allowed to have even you know thirty percent fans in the stadium, uh, and some others are, I think Sean McDermott was kind of saying it would be a little bit unfair. Um, I guess my my stand on it, like my point is, I don't really think it makes too much of a difference just because it's going to be only 30% of the stadium filled up or 20% or whatever it may be. So I don't really think it's too big of a deal. I just thought it was interesting how McDermott was kind of speaking out about it and, and was, you know, definitely upset about it when he was talking um, on the issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this is kind of a, it's kind of like a, we got like, like McDermott, you got nothing. Like, this is what you're being asked about right now because of like coronavirus and we have yeah, to talk that's about it. Th- yeah. So he has to like say something about it and just trying to, I don't know, I motivate his guys him, type thing. I think it's more him trying to appease the the fans of Buffalo kind of right. it's being like, Hey, we're really going to miss you this year. And just him speaking out saying how much of an impact that they make at the game. But I think, you know, really, is it not going to matter? Is it going to matter that much? In my opinion, no especially when you got like the one, the one team that I saw was the dolphins that got approval to have uh, 13,000 fans at their game against the bills in week two. So you bring it. that, are you telling me that the dolphins, that that stadium with 13,000 people in it is really going to make that much bigger, that big of a difference. I guarantee, yeah, no. I guarantee maybe even half of those people will be bills fans. So, you know, I don't, I don't really don't think this is, I think it's going to be a non-issue. Um, again, I think it's McDermott trying to, you know, speak into the, to the Buffalo fan base there, maybe a little bit of pandering going on on his side. He's got a, he's got other things to worry about, whether that he thinks that fans in the stands are going to be making a difference, especially when you're, you know, at 10% capacity of the, of what the actual stadium holds. Um, and I, with that, I think it's so- just crazy though, that the league is, is working it this way though, where, like in the MLB, the league took a firm stance saying that we're not having fans at these games, right? Regardless of what each state wants to say. But it's all, like, I think it's all about league, the money. I think it's all about the money. Yeah. The NFL, just that's all they care about, right? I feel like that's why they're not necessarily taking the stand. That's the first thing that pops up in my mind, at least, is just the revenue. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. But I don't know. If It seemed like if they really want to have a season and they really want to do everything right, that they would – at least not let that be the thing that gets in their way of, you know, of a coronavirus case happening, right? Right. I because mean, I mean, it's just, it's just added risk. 
It's at 100%. risk to, for, to contracting the virus to, you know, if a fan walks in there, gets all those fans, um, you know, con- contaminated, exposed to the virus. And then you have a huge, you know, issue going on with the franchise. Maybe a player catches it from a fan. I don't know. There's just a ton of risk when you, when you do stuff like that. And I think that if the NFL is serious about having a full season, they'd, that seems like one thing they could easily fix without, um, you know, without that much backlash is put is making a firm stance that we're going to play with no fans. Cause I think, I think if you ask any NFL around the, around the uh, country, regardless of what team you support and you laid out each scenario, it's like you could either one, you know, have 10% capacity at these games, but not all of the games, depending on team to team, or it's just a strict, no fans of the stands you know, at any game, knowing that the risk associated with each, I think each, every fan would pick, you know, no fans is knowing that they could have a greater chance of seeing, you know, a full season with playoffs and a Super Bowl. Well, what I was just about to say is like, with all that being said is like, if the bills say the bills came out and with, you know, I don't know where New York's at. I I would assume it's probably not likely that fans are going to be able to go to Buffalo games. But if they came out and were like, we're going to have 30% capacity this year, like, would you go? Because I know I would. You would go. I wouldn't go. Yeah. So, like, I, I know what you're saying. Like, it's a big, it's definitely a risk, but like, that's the thing where I think, I don't know. You like, would you, actually go to those games? If, it, I mean, hey, listen, I'm, I'm big on like, if it's allowed to happen, like, I'm not the one, I'm not sneaking in. I'm not, you know, going out of my way to do something illegal or whatever. Like, I'm being told by the state and it's being allowed for me to happen. I mean, I know that dad and I were talking about, um, because at the beginning of September, there's there's been talks that MLB might be letting fans into their stadiums at a certain capacity also uh, beginning of September. Obviously, the Blue Jays this year are playing in Buffalo, and the Mets, we're Mets fans. Everyone out there know that we are. They go to Buffalo and play the Blue Jays in September, and Dad said, you know, if there's a capacity allowed in by the beginning of September that he would, like, get tickets and go. I mean, if it's being allowed to happen, if if it's – other people above me making the decisions that know more about it. Basically, here's the precautions. It's this percentage that can be in. And, you know, I'm not like forcing the issue by any means. It's just what I'm being told is, is allowed. Then, I mean, yeah, I, I would go. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I don't know. I just think, I mean, me it's, it's definitely, just... I would definitely fit. Like I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact that because someone's telling me I can go and it's okay, that that doesn't mean especially like I'm immune when you, to it. Like I understand yeah, that. Slow especially when you risk, have but that's just my law. decision. I mean, the, the reason why that that would happen is because you just brought it up. It's all about money. So I think a lot of those decisions on letting people back into events aren't necessarily based purely on, doctors and, and the medical opinion right i think it's based on a compromise with you know owners saying like i want to let fans into my game because i want to make money and the doctor's saying well you can't well then they're saying well can i put like ten thousand of them in there and they're saying well i guess maybe you know it's like all about compromise yeah and that's kind of how i look at it so i don't know i just think it's not not worth it i mean ticket prices are going to be crazy expensive probably i don't know if the you know to me it's not the same experience. Uh, I'm, I'm on the team uh, hold off at least for the, for the beginning and see, you know, I, I, maybe, maybe I wait a little bit and see how things are going, but I mean, I could see they're going South very fast. You know, even if you have like a 10% capacity, I mean, you're still putting, you know, tens of thousands of people in, in the same area in regards to tailgating, you know, it's not just like you're everybody's sitting in their seats, right. They're going to the bathrooms together 
they're, you know, in the same lines of the concession stands. There just seems to be, you know, a crazy amount of opportunity for you to be exposed to other people. You know, I, I, I think I'd hold off at least to see how it went for the first, you know, month or so, what the cases are like, are there, you know, crazy, crazy exposure rates and then maybe make a decision. But I'm not, I'm not itching to go back until at least, you know, we have the medical community on saying that it's safe for everybody to go back. Yeah, you've always been a definitely like a stay-at-home guy too because I just remember back when the Sabres actually made the playoffs um, and, you know, they had the party in the plaza thing. Me and dad went, you want to just, you know, chill on the couch in the comfort of our grandparents' house and watch the game there. So you've always been kind of on that on well, that I'm just side a family anyway. guy. I'm a family guy. <laughs> I mean, I like getting in the mix. I like getting, you know, getting down and dirty with it. So, I, you know, that's just where I'm at with it. But You just like risking it for Corona. I mean, not necessarily. I, I wouldn't put it that way. I've definitely been very safe with it. Like I said earlier, you know, when we were recording a couple podcasts ago, came back with a negative test after going cross countries, you know, taking all the right precautions. So I wouldn't say, no, I'm not trying to risk it for it. I just would, I would just definitely, um, I mean, if I'm being you know, told I can go, I think I, I would definitely be safe about it, but I would enjoy, you know, going out there and seeing the boys perform. Um, but anyway, let's let's get over that talk, that fan talk, and talk about a little bit of the wide receiver action because that's been kind of a you know decent topic. I mean, I think it's been a pretty big topic, obviously, since we've gotten Diggs uh, a while back. But and then since the draft, when we drafted a few wide receivers, the wide receiver room's always been pretty crowded. Um, so that's always been a topic, I guess, with Bills fans is who are the wide receivers that are going to make the team, which ones are going to dress each game, and I'll start with. Andre Roberts because I saw some talk on online last week about um, I don't know where it came from too it was like a random Thursday a random Wednesday but I just saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about should Andre Roberts be a wide receiver that gets dressed for each game and if you guys have listened to the podcast during the season last year you'd probably know my stance on this um, I just think this was an absolute you know, crazy thing that fans were talking about because in my eyes, he is a lock to be one of the wide receivers that's dressed at each game, um, makes a team. And if it's just for punt returning, which is fine, that that's fine with me. He, he was, he didn't bring any to the house last year. He, you know, he was the kick return punt returner. He didn't bring any to the house. I don't think last year, but I don't think he also, you know, fumbled one ball on the punt return. You look back a couple of years ago where we have to run out Micah Hyde to, to return punts and we're risking one of our best offensive players for that. We put Isaiah McKenzie back there. He fumbles the ball every once in a while. He can't catch one. Andre Roberts is so solid at returning punts. And I think that is such a slept on part of the game, just special teams in general. I think a lot of the casual fans don't put a lot of stock into, but I think especially punt returning, it's incredibly difficult to do first off I think a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to stand under there while 11 dudes are running at your neck and catch a ball you, you have to you know judge to fair catch it whatever it may be I think he's a lock to be a, to get dressed I don't know why this was even brought up online so it got me a little bit heated as you can see coming out in my voice right now but I've always been an Andre Roberts guy he's been solid if it's my choice he's he's dressed in every single game when he's healthy 100% agree the only thing I want to say is I don't – I still would like to keep five other receivers on the team other than Andre Roberts. So, like you said, does he make the roster in my roster? Yes, but I'm taking away someone else to make room for him. I'm not taking away another receiver spot because I don't think he's good enough to play receiver uh, for the team. 
I don't know uh, if you if you disagree with that or not, but no, I I, I definitely I agree. agree that having some guy that you're just 100% confident in back there to return kicks, return punts, just even to fair catch the ball, right? It's it's almost like special teams at this point is just not turning the ball over, right? Because you know the kickoff is kind of um, not what it used to be anymore. Uh, punting, you know, it seems like it's just a fair catch every other time. So, you know, if you have a sure-handed guy back there, more than willing to open up a roster spot for him to do that and knowing that you're not going to, you know, have, cause a crucial turnover in a, you know, a critical time in the game on special teams. But like I said, having said that, my, my vote is only for if they keep another five receivers other than Andre Roberts on the roster because I think – you need a good NFL team needs to have five wide receivers that they're confident in that they can actually go and, and play wide receiver for the offense, not just be a special teams guy. And so I think, you know, you already have three in, uh, you know, Beasley Brown digs. It seems like that they still need to have two other guys besides Andre Roberts that they're confident in moving forward to, to play receiver for the team, you know, if there ever were injuries or stuff like that. So, that's yeah. my take. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say I would agree with that. He's not, like, good enough to run out there on the offense, you know, every few plays or whatever. And, like, he's not going to be, you know, one of the guys that's in the rotation where he's going doing routes and whatever. Yeah, I agree. He's not going to be good enough for that. I don't know. I, I don't know if I've, you know, looked at the roster enough to say that I want to keep five other receivers besides him. Um, I guess you would have to if you're not going to include him in the offense too much. But my stance is just he he's playing every game. That, that Whatever you got to do to have him on, on the field, I don't care if he takes one offensive snap, like I just said, he's dressed every game. And to me, that's a no-brainer. I think that the Bills will do that too. I don't think – like last year they loved dressing him, and as they should, and I don't think it'll be an issue. But that's why I was kind of surprised why it was brought up and a lot of people were arguing about it. Um, I know a lot of people – took the stance of if you're going to dress him, he needs to be part of the offense as well as return kicks. I just straight up don't agree with that. So he should be on the field. He should be returning kicks, returning punts, being that safety net back there because he's the only one that can do it with hundred percent confidence in my eyes. Um, but with that being said, moving forward, is there going to be enough room if you keep him to keep a guy like Gabe Davis? And I bring up his name because he's been someone's name that's been brought up a lot, especially these past few days, especially, you know, Monday, yesterday, I've heard a lot, heard him a lot on um, online on what he's doing in camp. Um, I know that last week, Ethan and I both talked about um, when we recorded on the first day of Bill's camp about how we need to pump the brakes on what's going on. It's the only, you know, first day of camp, just relax, just, you know, play it cool for a little bit. Um, but obviously camp has ramped up in these past two weeks. And I've heard that Gabe Davis has kind of been showing out. There was a clip of him yesterday going one-on-one with Trey White and Allen hit him with a deep ball and he made a really nice catch on that. So I don't know, is this guy, guy going to be like a surprise receiver that Bean was able to draft in the fourth round, I believe it was, or whatever round it was this year, come out, make the team get reps automatically on offense. Maybe he'll be, you know, that fourth receiver that Ethan was talking about after Beasley, Brown, and Diggs. Um, who knows? But I guess there's a lot of potential for this guy. High ceiling. Um, Ethan, I don't know what you've heard about him, but it seems like he's been popping off here. Yeah, I mean, I've been reading all the same stuff you have. Uh, I even saw one Bills reporter, I believe it was Marcel. Uh, I don't know, how do you say his name? Marcel, like, Lewis. Lewis Jack, Jacquees, or the ESPN Bills reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he tweeted that he thinks that um, 
Gabe Davis so far has been the second best wide receiver on the Bills, like overall, over Beasley and Brown, second to Stephon Diggs, as far as like how he's looked in training camp so far. So, I mean, like you said, like we said last week, I think you got to you got to take everything that's coming out of training camp with a grain of salt, especially since there aren't fans there watching it for themselves too. So everything that we're hearing is directly from the mouths of these reporters, right? And reporters bias, you know, they're obviously biased. They always, they're obviously, um, they're teetering on that line of reporting what's happening, but also, you know, trying to get their posts to be viewed. Right. So they want to maybe add a little spice to what they're saying. Um, so yeah, I think, it sucks not having preseason this year because I think, uh, you know, putting Gabe Davis in a, a preseason game scenario would give us, a, you know, an absolutely, you know, more objective view of how, how good this guy is and what he looked like in a game time situation. Um, so, you know, I, I would, it would be a pleasant surprise to see a guy like him, a rookie that, you know, maybe didn't get a lot of hype going into the year if you think about, you know, who's left to fill out the wide receiving core, you still got guys like Isaiah McKenzie, who we just, you know, gave a contract to. Um, you got uh, Duke Williams. Duke Williams, sorry, I couldn't think of his name, who gets a lot, a lot of hype, and we kind of went over that with Jake when he was on the podcast. And you got a guy like um, Foster, right? And and then we also you also have uh, Hodges. Isaiah Hodges, yeah, whatever, Isaiah right? Hodges yeah. who we also drafted this year. So – you know, going into this, to me, it was kind of a no-brainer that it would be Isaiah McKenzie because we gave him that contract. And, he, you know, I feel like he was a key part of our offense last year on a lot of those end-arounds, speedy. You know, he, you could hand the ball off to him, but then you could also put him in the flat. You'd throw him, throw him deep. He's kind, of, he's kind of underrated, in my opinion, on how much he impacted our offense last year. So I, I think I was kind of already locking him in. And then Duke Williams, I think – would have a shot, but Gabe Davis coming out of nowhere. I did see that clip that you're talking about, and he did make a nice play in the ball. He's a big body. Uh, I think that's the one thing where, you know, we're lacking height in this receiving core. Even adding Stephon Diggs, he's by no means a monster when it comes to uh, size, right? He's he's definitely polished. And then you have Brown and Beasley, who we know are, are on the shorter side. So adding size to this receiving core, well, uh, keeping it, you know, developing a younger player. You know, he's cheap because you, you know, you just drafted him. He's a he's a rookie, came in in the middle of you know middle of the draft. He's not you know one of the highly touted guys. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for having a guy like Gabe Davis come out of nowhere and make this team. Um, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, we've been struggling for this, this wide receiving core. It's finally coming together. It seems like it's been way too long since we've had an actual kind of well-respected receiving core in the league, right? We, When Josh Allen came in the league and you you looked at who he was thrown to then to what he's got now, it's it's night and day. So I think this is only only good things for the Bills when they have to make tough decisions like these on on who's making the roster, for, especially when it comes to receivers, because that means that, you know, we got some good players there now. Yeah, um, it, I mean – and and we talk about you talk about you know he's a rookie i think the one rookie right that's been getting a lot of the, pretty much all the hype this year for offense has been Zach Moss and and to see you know if this Gabe Davis dude can come out of nowhere and just be you know no one's really talking about it everyone's saying we're going to get this two-headed you know monster in the backfield now that we have Moss and, and Singletary and and everyone's i think focusing on battle on then we, focusing on the dig straight when he came 
Davis is this dude that's just kind of right under the surface, kind of doing his own thing, putting in a lot of work. Uh, I know that he was one of those guys during the draft, you know, when they put out those videos, the the Bills videos, he seemed like a really, you know, humble and guy that really wants to work hard, make a splash in the NFL. We've talked about it before. Some of these receivers, you can't really, you don't really know what they have until they're, you know, really blossom into the NFL. A lot of these guys like Antonio Brown come in late rounds and then they just pop off because they just have raw athleticism. They put in the work to get where they want to be and it could be a huge surprise. So that's what I no, like. Other thing, the other thing I want to point out that we didn't really talk was there's was also that video of John Brown saying that Gabe Davis knows the playbook better than oh, yeah. anybody else on that receiving team. Yeah, that's what I mean. He just seems like a guy that he really, he, you know, he's going to get what's his. And, and yeah, he's going to think, hey, you guys are going to be talking about, you know, my teammates over here, the the rest of the offense, what Allen's doing. You know, Diggs is here. He's a big name. We got this rookie running back. I'm just going to do my thing. That's what he's thinking. He's going to work hard. And who knows if he could just pop off and be an, you know, he could be a stud for all we know. And I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm, you know, I'm all for it. Obviously, why wouldn't I? You might be so. drinking too much of the Kool-Aid right now after we just dropped that episode. Holy, I mean, I'm I'm kind of revved up. So, <laughs> Gabe Davis is <laughs> Gabe Davis is about to is about to pop off this year. I might have to get him, you know, low key in fantasy maybe late rounds here. Um, but I don't know. You got anything else on 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 Gabe? <laughs> no, I'm excited for Gabe. Hopefully, you know, he lives up to the hype. Yeah, hundred percent. So, shout out to him. He's gonna keep grinding. Um. And hopefully we get a season, you know, we just talked about the false positive tests, all that stuff going on with coronavirus. Hopefully we can see Gabe Davis play this year. And um, other than that, I don't think we got much on the docket. I think that kind of wraps everything up for episode 51. Shout out to Keo Spikes once again. Um, we are now, obviously you're listening to this on Tuesday as opposed to, you know, Monday night, if you're one of those people listening to Monday night. So we will be dropping every Tuesday morning. Um, just uh, heads up for that. We're going to stay consistent with it. But um, other than that, Ethan, you got anything else? No, just uh, what are we two, two weeks away ish from week one? It looks like yeah, so like we have, probably we like have two, one episode. Three weeks. Yeah, well, we have one episode next week, and then the one after that will be the Tuesday before week one. So probably that Tuesday before week one, we're gonna try to do uh you know a longer episode probably with our season preview, probably go through. I'm guessing the schedule, do win-loss predictions, stuff like that. Um, so that's probably coming up. You got, we got one more episode in between then that I don't know what content is going to come out next week, but we'll have something for you. And then hopefully I think we're going to try to get a guest on for the season preview episode as well. So stay tuned for that, but that's kind of what's uh, down the line. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of what's cooking, but yep. – Ethan uh, put that pretty nicely. So other than that, go Bills, go Sabres. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, it's been a minute, but I'm back in it. Uh, y'all ain't dealing with the same ball. No. Got a little trippy, then the transition. Yeah. New attitude mixed with the pure raw. Uh, the night game, your girl call. She like, do me, baby, down to get busy, busy. Yes. No dice, chill with it. No. In life, feeling dizzy. Oh, having visits to the city and I go to war, see me in the day through the late night. Aye. Tell him it's the charm of a freeze mode to the gods, can't stop a hero when he in flight. I'm swimming in the light, right? Go and get you some, go and show him something, it's a new thing. Yeah, let my nuts hang. Yeah. Knock a top off like LeBron or the Wayne Way. Yeah. Oh, lift off, can't stop a nigga grow, better get gone, move along. Uh. You don't wanna trip, wanna get it on. Uh. You don't wanna act, don't get me wrong. Uh. Damn, listen to the words in the song.